Super Talk Mississippi media production. Kickstart your adventure now with a new Gud Golf Cart from Country Carts of Brookhaven. Gud Golf Carts are assembled right here in Mississippi with the best features around. And best of all, they're street legal. Country Carts of Brookhaven, 401 Highway 51 South, phone 601-748-0454. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Good afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You are tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, but you can also watch us too. We're over at supertalktv.com. Now, when you hear about conservation efforts, you might not think about birds, but birds are pretty important. And joining us today to talk a little bit more is Emily Joe, also known as EJ. EJ, Williams with the American Bird Conservancy. She's the vice president of the Southeast and Atlantic Coast region. We've also got Kristen Evans. She's an associate professor in the Mississippi State Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and I guess aquaculture. That's that's a different one. It's not agriculture. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Hey, Rebecca. You know the the aquaculture. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna not, let's try it again. Kind of caught me off guard. That's pretty cool. I think it's, and I also think what you <laughs> girls are up to is pretty good stuff with the Tom Bigby Forest Bird Partnership with EJ. I'm gonna start with you. So, how did this Tom Bigby Forest Bird Partnership come about? Well, Rebecca, um, American Bird Conservancy started working with several corporate forest partners in 2014. And we wanted to look at sustainably managed forests and better understand their value to native birds and also take advantage of opportunities to enhance habitat conditions for birds on these working forests. And we identified five focal areas across the southern U.S., with one of those being around the Aliceville, Alabama area. And as we worked together over the years, that expanded over into Mississippi, and Christine got involved with helping us with some survey work. And so that that went really well. And um, as we were supported by some grants from, from the Sustainable Forestry Initiative. And as we wrapped up those grants, that group of partners that included International Paper, the Westervelt Company, Weyerhaeuser, um, CA Barge Timberlands, that group said, man, we, we like working together. We think this is valuable both for the forest and for the birds. So we said, all right, and we formed this partnership and identified some objectives and you know talked about how we wanted to work together to keep this big, wonderful forested landscape in forests and also doing good things for birds. That sounds like a, it's really cool, and I think it's something for us to also think about when we look into our vast forest or sort of uh, fields of trees. They're serving more purpose than just looking pretty or sort of lending to the forestry industry here in Mississippi. Uh, Christine, what what is avian conservation? How would you sort of describe that, though? 
So that's a that's a great question, and some of it ties into what EJ just mentioned. You know, uh, many of us have bird feeders uh, looking outside of our kitchen windows. Uh, many of us have had experiences with birds of different kinds. Many of us are bird hunters. Uh, birds have been part of human culture for thousands and thousands of years, and especially our native birds, the birds that um, have been here long before humans, and, and um, there's many, many species here that are native. Um, we have a recognition that keeping them in the systems and on the landscape that they're supposed to be in is important. And as we work and live in these landscapes, we can affect the birds that are um, here and have been here for a very long time. So uh, avian conservation is really focused on making sure that we are prioritizing the bird species that are supposed to be here um, and working within our working landscapes like managed pine forests to make sure that we can sustain native wildlife. Obviously, conservation is about far more than birds, but uh, birds are a great ambassador. We, we love working with birds because people see them, people can be connected with them, and, um, and they're a great ambassador for the rest of the wildlife community. Well, I'm one of those that loves my bird feeder, so I feel like I may be doing a small part. Hopefully, I'm doing the right thing. Um, but EJ, y'all talk about this idea of working forests, which again, it goes to us lay people. We just see trees and we're like, is it working? Um, what is it doing? <laughs> and then how can it make a difference in this avian conservation? Um, great question, Rebecca. So um, working forest, there, there's not one tight definition, but they tend to be forests that are sustainably managed, and they have multiple objectives. Typically, some of the objectives are economic returns, recreation, wildlife conservation, legacy and inheritance. But a key part of it is active management. And keep in mind that it's amazing what these native forests can provide because they provide all those forest-based products that all of us use every day, simple things like paper towels and toilet paper and the boxes that all our Christmas goodies are coming in these days. And in addition to providing all those outputs, they can provide a home for birds. And so it's good for people to remember that it's good that you're using forest-based products because that demand helps landowners own that land and pay the taxes and make management um, happen on those places. And so the way it can contribute to bird conservation is, one, you know, birds need a lot of forest. And about 90% of the forest in the south, which is millions of acres, are privately owned. And they come with a lot of different objectives. And all those different objectives have different outcomes and create different habitat conditions. And so that diversity of conditions but within a really big area of forest is just what birds need. And they find young forests and pine forests and bottom and hardwood forests all, you know, in the, in the same sort of areas together. And that really makes a, a good place for the birds is that variety of habitat, but also that just stay in, you know, they're sustained as forests, and that's really important. Christine, we talk about, or you've mentioned our native birds here in Mississippi, and I don't think we give much thought to the fact that there is biodiversity when it comes to bird species, that we just think that there's birds out there. But usually you'll have three or four that fly up to your bird feeder and they look completely different. How important is it that we sort of keep the diversity in our bird species? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and to tie it to 
native managed forests, one of our sites in Kemper County, which uh, if you're familiar with Kemper County, it's heavily a managed forest landscape. We found 76 different bird species on that one managed forest landscape site. So there's a lot more species of native birds than uh, really you can imagine. And and many, um, probably nearly all of the species that are coming to your listeners' feeders are going to be native species. Why is that important? Why is it important to have many different types of species? Well, those species eat different types of food. And if you think about especially seed-eating birds, they're, as they're eating, they're also pooping, right? So they're going out onto the landscape and they're spreading seeds. So we have to give birds a lot of credit for being constructors of a lot of the plant communities that we have. So it's all, you know, we, we all say it's all one big ecosystem, right? Um, the birds are spreading the seeds. The birds are living off of the seeds that are spread. Um, it's all really, really important, but different species require different parts of that landscape. So in general, we try to keep as many of our native species that have these intricate ties to the ecosystem as possible. We, we don't want those species to blink out on the landscape. Well, now we have a reason to spin it positive. When a bird poops on our car or a windshield, we can just now look at the bird and think, oh, it was doing its part to spread seeds and, you know, have a positive <laughs> and have Absolutely. a positive impact. Um, and AJ, it makes me sad, though, to think that maybe, you know, our more modernized uh, lifestyle has, has contributed to the slow bird population decline. But are there other things that have sort of led to the need for conservation, for avian conservation? Um, well, certainly habitat loss is, is one of the things we have to contend with. I think that's one of the wonderful things about working in that Tom Bigby, you know, forest bird partnership area is it's, for the most part, still a pretty rural forested landscape. Um, and in a lot of parts of the country and in the south, that's not the case. So, you know, when we lose those natural habitats to other uses, you know, that's, that's a loss for the birds. Um, but some other things to think about. One is that these birds have really complex lifestyles. They're only with us, a lot of them. Some of them are here all year long, but a lot of these little birds are only in Mississippi for maybe three or four months. And then they may go to Central America or even Northern South America and in the Caribbean for the winter. So we have to work both in the um, areas in Mississippi and the South where they breed, but also internationally to make sure they have a place to spend the winter. And then another thing to think about, you know, everybody can do something for birds, even if they have just a small backyard. As you mentioned, you've got bird feeders out. And, man, as long as you keep those feeders clean, um, that that's a great thing because you get to enjoy the birds. And in a harsh wintertime, it might even be the difference in them making it through. Can you ladies stick with us? And people can plant native plants. I mean, Jay, I hate to interrupt, key. but we're coming up a break. Can you ladies stick with us? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. All righty. We've got more with the Tom Bigby Forest Bird Partnership coming up next. Making your afternoon just a little brighter. It's Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi. 
forget you can watch good things where you're on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. We're continuing our conversation with EJ and Christine about the Tom Bigby Forest Bird Partnership. It's an effort to showcase and maintain the values of sustainable forest management in private forest lands to increase bird populations, which I'm learning is a good thing. And EJ, you were at least uh, affirming the fact that if you've got bird feeders and you keep them clean, then you are helping in this in the small way that you can correct that's right that's right and things like planting native plants and you know being sure that your windows don't create a collision hazard for birds there's a lot of things that people can do well you talk about the native christine i'm just curious what are our most native here in mississippi i'm learning that they fly all around so the international (laughs) aspect of this i feel like i'm on a bigger mission with my bird finger now (laughs) it's international bird avian conservation i feel important um but what are our native ones that if we look out our window we normally will see here in the state and, and not all of them are migratory so if you think about Probably the most auspicious one being the northern cardinal, or what a lot of folks call the red bird. That's a that's one of our most common native resident birds, and that's one you'll see around in the winter time. Um, let's see, many of the sparrows, actually, probably all of the sparrows, uh, except a house sparrow, um, those are non-native. So the ones you see at the Walmart um, signs, you know, or in the Walmart parking lot, those are a, a non-native species. But, but most of the other sparrows are going to be native. Um, our blue jays are going to be native, the ones that, that you all uh, probably see and hear. And, and, of course, mockingbirds, which many of your listeners have been dive-bombed before, um, those are native species. So, um, so you're going to see a lot at your feeders that are, that are native, and, and many of those species live in um, really remote forests. You know, when we do bird surveys uh, and we're out in the middle of nowhere, we have cardinals. So they share the urban landscape and the rural landscape with us. I think that birds are the one of the wildlife, no matter where you live, whether it's urban or rural or anywhere in between, you feel a little connected with nature just by a simple bird feeder or putting out your hummingbird feeder or just having the right plants, as EJ mentioned. And it's cool to sort of recognize and sort of be able to tell the difference in the birds. I, you know, I, I've become a bird fan over the last couple of years. And so, you know, you're really encouraging me to get a little more interested in what's in my, in my own backyard. But, but EJ, this partnership though is, is sort of like for a specific piece of land there in the Togbenby area. And you'll talk about sustainability and sort of, you know, enhancements in the management. What are some of the goals of this partnership? So some of the goals, um, a big one is communication, um, is getting that story out like you're helping us do today, Rebecca, and letting people know, you know, how valuable these forests are and just the, the thoughtfulness that goes into stewarding these forests by the landowners, whether they're corporate or individual family owners. So communication and telling our stories. Um, we also want to promote our bird-friendly forest practices, and we've got a, a really nice little guidebook that helps people understand some of the really straightforward things they can do that are good for birds. We use the area as a demonstration site, so we host workshops for forest managers and landowners. And then um, our other kind of big area of objectives is um, is research. And, of course, Christine and some of her colleagues there at Mississippi State are involved in some great research in the area. And then Dr. Daniel Green with Warehousers conducting some, some really valuable research on birds and pollinators and some of the other wildlife species that use these forests. 
Christine, what do you want like communities listening to good things to know about the importance? I know we talked about the bird feeders and that's kind of fun with the with the kids, but we go most of our day not thinking about birds or the importance of them. So what do you want us to take home from this? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, I would say that the first thing to think about is when, when you hear the word conservation, it's not always just about setting aside some pristine piece of land and not touching it. Conservation is all around us. P- people planting row crops can engage in conservation practices that support native grasses or improve water quality. Um, conservation is, is really part of this bigger landscape, both working and non-working lands, and that's central. You know, you don't want to only think about lands that humans aren't touching as part of the conservation landscape. So that's, that's number one. Number two for me is the importance of um, connecting with the younger folks. So one of the issues that we're seeing is that the, the, that connection to the outdoors that many of people in my generation and older have because we spend a lot of time outdoors, we're losing that in the younger generations. So people, even my own children, I can't hardly get to go outdoors, and I'm one of the big conservation people in the state. Um, so, uh, so trying to figure out how to engage the youth and connect them with that outdoors. Mississippi is an amazing state that's full of people that have a deep love for the outdoors, more so than many other states in the country. And I want to make sure we sustain that, and it's really important to get that message out. And if it's figuring out that you really like birds, that's a great segue into the world of conservation. Well, you ladies really do like birds. I mean, you've made a career out of it. EJ, to end up being the vice president of American Bird Conservancy for the Southeast and Atlantic Coast region. That's a big business card, by the way, EJ. Um, (laughs) I mean, how did you find your pathway or career path for, you know, for bird conservancy? Um, Well, it's kind of a twisted path, but I fell in love with wildlife at a very early age and just kind of never really had any other path that looked good to me. So, you know, I I had an interest. I hunted and I fished with my daddy and um, we would watch birds, not seriously, but, you know, we'd watch the backyard birds we had. And we'd watch birds while we were fishing. I can remember my first prothonotary warbler along a creek, you know, this bright yellow swamp canary. And, you know, I just fortunately stayed with that. Um, I went to the University of Georgia and got my master's degree in wildlife biology. And I've worked for the state of Georgia, for the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and now American Bird Conservancy. So I've been working with birds and and landowners for um, a couple of decades now. So, yeah, it's just, it's my passion, and I love it. You know, not just professionally, but personally, it's something that's just, you know, what I love to do. Well, EJ, what's your favorite bird? Oh, you know, um, I, I, somebody yesterday said, my favorite bird is my next bird, and, and that's probably the, the closest. But um, I'd be hard-pressed not to either say, Ugh. Swallowtail kite, prothonotary warbler, painted bunny, those would be three of my top ones. So, Christine, I'm going to kind of ask you the same question, except for the fact that I'm really interested in this wildlife fisheries and aquaculture. (laughs) Say it right for me. I'm I'm bum-fuzzled by it, but I love it. That's an, an opportunity for students here in our state. How did you get to be a professor there? Yeah, again, um, same similar story to EJ. I knew I wanted to be a wildlife biologist since I was a young, um, probably about five years old, and and, and continued on that path through my uh, education. 
Um, I came here to Mississippi as a grad student and left for a little bit, but uh, ended up coming back. Um, always wanted to do avian research and, and have managed to continue there. Um, the Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Aquaculture is a very applied department here at Mississippi State. The reason aquaculture is on there is because we do a lot of work with the catfish industry or with the um, golf shrimp industry. Um, we do a lot of work thinking about how um, some of these species that um, were historically wildlife and are now managed um, kind of can be the same models for research as some of our wild species. So that's where aquaculture comes from. We have the MSU Deer Lab, which many people are familiar with. Um, lots of different research niches in the department, including our uh, bird niche. And um, I come from a quail background, so uh, I did both my graduate degrees in bobwhite quail. Love that bird. Uh, many folks um, also love hearing uh, the bobwhite whistle out in the grassland landscape. So that's one that is close to my heart and has probably motivated me here in Mississippi to continue to do research on. So would it be fair to ask you what your favorite bird is, or have you already told us? <laughs> well, I, quail have a special part in my heart, but I do love some other ones, including pain and bunning, as uh, EJ mentioned, and then um, a, a red and black bird called the scarlet tanager. That one I love, too. Well, I love this conversation. If people want to learn more about the Tom Bigby Forest Bird Partnership, where can they go, girls? Um, they can go to American Bird Conservancy. Um, we've got a little bit on our website, or they can reach out to me or to Christine. All righty. Well, thank you. I look forward to keeping up with this partnership. Y'all are welcome anytime. If you find a new bird or the next bird, EJ, we want, we you know, first dibs on it. <laughs> Absolutely. I've got a Baltimore Oriole coming to my feeders these days, so um, I'm pretty fired up about that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> all right, girls. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you for all that you're doing, and yeah, good luck with it. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks, that, Rebecca. This makes me very sad. Remember last year, Rhino, when I got the Christmas gift of a lifetime, and it was the bird feeder that had the um, motion camera in it, and then my Wi-Fi ended up not being the right connection or whatever it just ended up not working that was the biggest disappointment in uh, Christmas gifting I'd ever give given but if you have one of those I think it's super cool to be able to bird watch with new technology how cool is that all right stick with us we got more for you up next Beat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Today is one of those days that all Mississippians need to stay weather aware. It's been a rocky day from last night until to now. And so, Rhino, what's the latest weather update? Uh, according to the National Weather Service, if you are in Crandall, which is northeast of Shibuta and a little bit southeast of Quitman, right along the Mississippi-Alabama line, there is an observed wedge tornado that is rain-wrapped. 
and you are under a tornado warning for Crandall, Mississippi and Snell, Mississippi until 3 o'clock this afternoon. So be aware of that. And there's also another tornado warning that is continuing for Tumsuba that will last until about 45 after, so about another 7 or 8 minutes. Not to take that lightly, but it's nothing like a weather alert day to learn about new places in our state. <laughs> all the little towns and communities, although and then you think about technology and advancements in keeping us safe. It allows them to pinpoint where maybe the danger may be occurring and even get it down to some of the street levels. And, you know, you, I know this is a always a time where if you're not into it, you're like, why are we talking about it? But all all of that aside kudos to those who at mississippi emergency management who are on your local tvs and radios at supertalk.fm or supertalk mississippi news that are keeping you updated with all the warnings and the watches and all the things because it can be a very anxious day on this side of the mic or on this side of the tv for those who are trying to keep uh communities um safe and so you know if you got loved ones let them know just stay weather aware remember turn around don't drown and all those sort of important things but hopefully we'll move all this out over the next 24 hours in our state and we'll wake up to a better weather day it looks like you're to say something else yeah i'm just going to add that if you are in the crandall or snell area to seek shelter now the tornado has been observed on the ground it is rain wrapped so it's difficult to see the funnel cloud but on radar there is debris being kicked up so seek shelter now if you are really anywhere east of shibuta or Quitman in the Crandall or Snell area, seek shelter now. And stay weather alert, and obviously we'll break in at any time we need to with any other weather alerts. I know much of the state is also under weather watches until later on um, tonight. Especially southeast Mississippi. Southeast Mississippi, yep. And speaking of the Pine Belt tomorrow, hopefully we'll have better weather for that. You're going to have middays with Gerard Gibbert as well as Super Tall Eagle Hour. No, that's this Friday. Hopefully we'll definitely be weather um better by that time we'll be live at the midtown corner market food store in hattiesburg super talk mississippi we're collecting toys and canned food items for homes of hope for children all the toys and canned food will be distributed to the kids at homes for homes following the event so join us in making sure these kids have a very merry christmas and speaking of christmas man it's coming fast quick like in a hurry feels like we just started the year of 2022 and now we're wrapping it up with christmas but santa is going to be working around the clock this christmas he'll be listening to super talk of course he will be right um mississippi christmas with steve azar returns here on super talk mississippi so if you are traveling or maybe you're just around the house on the 23rd then at 1 p.m it'll start and so steve will play hours and hours of christmas classics and tunes from mississippi artists plus christmas memories from steve's celebrity friends you can also watch it on super talk tv and enjoy the music while the yule log roars in the background so if you need something on to just be in the background during the Christmas time, this would be the perfect thing, uh, perfect thing to do. Now, yesterday here on Good Things, we got to talk to Miss Mississippi, Miss Amy Perkins. She is out in Connecticut at the Mohegan, uh, the Mohegan Bay. Is that what Mohegan it's Sun? Mohegan Sun. I don't mess it up. She's got sun. We don't, but we're, it's coming uh, as she bids for the crown of Miss America. And so 
we knew that she was in the running for the finals for her social impact, which is Music is Medicine. Well, overnight, she won. She was named the Jean Bartle Social Impact Initiative overall winner. She's bringing home a $10,000 scholarship for her higher education. And it is awarded to students, hospital patients, assisted living facility members that benefit from um, the music and medicine initiative that she goes. You remember, she still has that 82-county goal to hit up all 82 counties here in Mississippi to um, talk more about her impact. So she's on a good start. She's on a good trajectory. Congratulations to her and the work that she's putting in representing Mississippi. Tomorrow night is her big night. So hopefully she will bring home the crown. And if she don't, she's already a winner in our eyes here's another good headline for you if you haven't um, been to the good things facebook group lately you may have missed it i love these stories this time of year it's these stories of good things happening to random people uh, just because individuals want to do something kind and two young waitresses were in shock after customers left a pretty hefty tip to their bill this past or I guess that this now would be a week ago last Wednesday morning so the Port City Cafe there in Biloxi two waitresses Sydney and Lexi they were catering a group for breakfast and when it came time to cash out the customers put a stack of money on the counter $3,200 coming just in time for the holidays and what do you think those two waitresses did they split the money between each other and then also the kitchen staff and they were quoted saying that this is just right on time to pay bills to take care of their kids to take a little bit of relief off of off of them and I'm thinking man what a breakfast uh, to have that kind of tip but you know those random acts of kindness maybe you can't do three thousand two hundred dollars in a tip although I think that was a group of individuals who uh, collected to do that you know, adding that just extra five or ten if you're at the Waffle House or the local diner or whatever it may be, you know, those individuals who show up bust their tails for not always a whole lot of uh, thank you or, you know, a big return. And so it's just a simple way of paying it forward randomly. I always feel like when you get the the nudge to do something like that, those random acts of kindness, whether it's $10, $100, $10,000, whatever your budget allows, it's you wonder if the person's going to need it and it's like they always do it's like somehow the universe just puts the right recipient on the other side of it and it was it was just sort of meant to be that way too if you get the opportunity to take part in sponsoring like a family or even either like a senior citizen during this year you think you know what's the big deal it is a big deal and so kudos to all of those who are taking time out of their busy holiday season to participate in making someone else's a little bit bigger all that to round back to say if you're in the pine belt area friday you got what a five ten dollar toy whatever that may be you think it's not that big of a deal it's going to be a huge deal to the kids or the families who who sort of get that so so kudos to them hey here's another kudos we don't get these often if you are into good morning america They've had a little bit of shift up in who their anchors are going to be. That headline's not for good things. But if you recognize DeMarco Morgan, he is filling in for TJ Holmes on Good Morning America. He is a JSU alum. So he is right here from Mississippi. And so 
I think that's pretty cool. He is getting his opportunity to fill in and shine. And from what I hear, he's doing a fantastic uh, job with that. So if you're watching the morning news and want to see a Mississippi alum on the big screen or small screen, I don't know how big your TV is. I think he's actually born and raised in Oklahoma, but he that's went okay. to college at Jackson yes, State. Yes, he's a Jackson State. We were, we were, we will take that part of his story. We were what put him uh, to where he is now. So I think that's that's pretty cool. But here's another good story. I mean, JSU needs all the all the love. Before you jump to that, yeah. I want to give an update on this tornado. Apparently, it is still on the ground um. and it is approaching the Snell community. So if you are in Snell, it will be on you in the next three to four minutes so if you are in snell there is a wedge tornado rain wrapped headed your way so seek shelter now in the lowest possible floor of your house preferably in a room without windows bathrooms are great because of all the plumbing to help protect you you can get in the bathtub if you've got a helmet put that on if you don't get some towels get a mattress something put over you but there is a large dangerous tornado headed your way in snell mississippi Oh, you just hate to see that. And if you are not in that area, um, hopefully you're the praying kind and you can sort of think about our neighbors who are. I know there's many um, that are still without power or just uh, their day has been disrupted through flooding or trees down. Um, There has been other confirmed tornadoes throughout our state as well. And so this is one of those times you feel a little bit of hopeless and helpless, but the power of prayer can be a big deal. And then also awareness, letting, letting loved ones in that area know that this is no joke to get home, get safe, stay off the roads if needed, stay weather aware, keep it here at Supertalk, or uh, make sure you have the weather alerts turned on on your Supertalk app. All of those are viable ways of staying one step ahead of, oh, you just hate to hear that word, the T word, um, tornado. Is any of the other state under watches or warnings right now? Uh, pretty much the entire south part of the state is under a watch. The southeastern quadrant of the Magnolia State is under a potentially dangerous situation warning, which means everything is in place in the southeast part of the state for supercells to spin up, which would lead to hail, damaging winds, and or tornadoes. Well, maybe Mother Nature will take a chill pill and so I can get to my good headline coming up next here on Good Things. This is Home Answers. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Good Things. It's always a good thing to stay weather aware. Don't forget, you can always get the latest over at supertalk.fm, but also on Mississippi Emergency Management's uh, Facebook page. I saw where a tornado warning for Pearl River County is until 315. Forest and Lamar County are also under tornado warnings until 315. And then, obviously, Clark County had a confirmed uh, tornado in Snell. Mississippi was on the ground, and so it's a day to stay weather aware and keep your spidey sense up. And uh, they 
haven't warned it just yet, but uh, there are a couple meteorologists pointing out a rotation on the radar southwest of Shibuta headed right for you. So if you're in Shibuta, you might want to seek shelter now. It looks like something is headed your way, and it could get bad. And there is a tornado warning that was just announced that is going from Abita Springs, Louisiana, east northeast into picayune so if you are down around pick down around the picayune area looks like it's going to be headed your way a little after three o'clock so be weather aware down there and the most recent does have a tornado warning for clark county that will last until four o'clock all right so that's been um uh, extended and so again pretty much today is just one of those days if you don't have to be on the road don't do it just keep um, alert know where your um, safe places are also know that there are safe rooms across the state I know that uh, Mima has that pinned at the top of their Facebook page if you need to know or where to go uh, if you're looking for a safe room that's not in um, not somewhere that you have yeah, there's a basically if you draw a line from Shibuta to Snell, including DeSoto and Crandall, that's under a tornado warning until four. And there's another tornado warning that just dropped for Hattiesburg, Petal, and Palmer's Crossing. So if you are in that area, there is a radar indicated rotation that could be a tornado. It'll be a tornado warned area until three fifteen. Ray in Long Beach says tornado warning for Picayune as well. So basically, if you're listening to good things, you're probably having a really crappy weather day. And so it is uh, something to just sort of ride out and stay weather aware, know where your safe space is, try not to get out and drive. Remember, that is the lowest level. That's going to be an interior room without windows. Uh, that's also going to be if you have sort of any sort of um, helmet or uh, head safety for your kids or yourself from what you learn through everyone who talks or experts that talks those that get hurt in a tornado it's usually head damage so it's not so much of the idea of being whisked away like in Wizard of Oz but it's more of just the head trauma that can come from anything falling on top of you so just something to keep in mind and two I mean keep in mind I know I joke here all the time about putting on your good shoes and a good bra but it is good to have on shoes when you go into your safe space it's also good to have any important information that you need that you would want to have medications those type of things if the worst case scenario did happen and your house looks different uh, after a tornado and so it's not anything that you want to think about but as we saw there was even the chicken farm in um, Peelahatchee that was uh, destroyed today we've also seen sightings of other homes and properties that you know either straight line winds or can be just as dangerous as a tornado and so you just want to make sure that you got all your ducks in a row and that you stay and then you stay safe anything else Rhino? Uh, yeah, they just dropped from the National Weather Service tornado page. They dropped a tornado warning for Matherville, Mississippi, until 3.30. So if you are, that's just east of Shibuta. So if you are pretty much anywhere in Clark or Wayne County, you're going to want to stay weather aware because it's right on top of you and it's churning. All right, there you go. And keep uh, weather aware and stay safe. Again, I was thinking I've got family in sort of that area, so making sure they know exactly what to be doing or sort of looking for. We're not out of the woodwork yet. I do feel like by the time tonight comes around, hopefully we'll all be able to sleep a little easier, um, at least most of the state. Yes, the, the good report I can give you is that the potentially dangerous situation has been 
downgraded for several counties. It is still potentially dangerous in southeast Mississippi from the Pine Belt down to the Gulf Coast. But they are slowly trimming off counties from that area. And it looks like part of that system they were worried about is starting to weaken. Well, good. We need some good news in that. And hopefully everyone is taking precautions, staying safe. Again, when you think about when schools make their decisions early in the morning, they're thinking through the entire day. So grateful that there's probably not any um, school buses or people traveling home. There's less on the roads. So that should be a help uh, to begin with. But just stay smart, guys. Stay weather aware. Take care of each other. If you know someone in those certain areas, send them a text. Give them a call. And, yeah, take care Just of dropped from the uh, National Weather Service. There is a confirmed tornado moving east-northeast towards Picayune. Uh, it looks like it may go just north of Picayune, but if you're in the Picayune area, north of Pearl River, you want to be weather aware. You want to be finding your safe space and going to that now. Going to that now. And as we wrap up, you've got Sports Talk Mississippi from 3 to 6 tomorrow. We'll be back here tomorrow at 2. Until then, take care of yourself, guys. Things for you. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.